from the Duck South Studios in Morgan City, Mississippi. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. I want to punch you in the face so bad right now. This is the On The X podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. I didn't get a harumph out of that guy. Get the governor harumph. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Today's episode is brought to you by Advantage Multi from Bayer. Advantage Multi is veterinarian's number one choice in the prevention of heartworms, fleas, roundworms, hookworms, and whipworms. Treats and controls sarcoptic mange. Make sure your dog is protected by using Advantage Multi. I said what I said and I'll stand by it to the death. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And now, here are your hosts, Jay Paul Jackson. You just love to hear yourself talk, don't you? Even when you're not saying anything. Rocky LaFleur. Yo, Adrian! Adrian! Houston Kennedy. Please, Houston, we have a problem. And Josh Webb. Coons. We're raccoons trying to get on our back porch. Mama just chased them off with a broom. Welcome to the On The X Podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. I'm Jay Paul Jackson, and today I'll be joined by my co-host, Rocky LaFleur, Josh Webb, and we have a very special guest this week. Along with us will also be Brian Cranerecker Baker of Miami, Oklahoma. And it's Miami, Oklahoma. Of course, if it was in Florida, it would be Miami. But uh, in Oklahoma, apparently, they do it just a little bit different. Brian, great to have you on the phone with us, brother. Man, it's great to finally get on one of these podcasts with you guys. I keep up with them, and I finally got my chance. So here's my big chance. Let's go for it. <laughs> Man, we're proud to put you in the rotation. And uh, I'd also like to welcome back uh, our co-host, Josh Webb. He's been absent uh, chopping cotton and picking corn for the last couple of weeks. Josh, buddy, it's really good to have you on here. Yeah, it's good to finally be back. It's been I think a he, wild few weeks. I think he got that backwards, didn't he, Josh? I think it's cutting corn and picking cotton. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll let everybody else laugh at Jay Paul's mistakes. I thought you chopped cotton. No, that's the weeds. You chopped the weeds. Uh, whatever. Hell, I don't know. Look, I'm glad you're off the combine or the cotton picker or whatever implement of destruction you've been on, and your harvest is done, and you're back here with us today. Hey, Josh, yeah. let me ask yeah. you, how did how, how did the cotton turn out? Really good. It was a good year for cotton. Um, it was. Do you have any uh, idea cotton, how much it picked? Um, not not exactly. Not until all the, the GN info gets back. Um uh, those those are the the tickets that matter. So when that uh, when that stuff rolls in in a few weeks, then uh, it'll be a lot more accurate. But but overall, it was a uh, uh, it was it was a good strong cotton crop. And everybody around here has been been that way. Um, from what from what I've seen and, and heard. Um, so there's there's really not much cotton left at all. It's all over with. Um, generally speaking, there's some peanuts left. Um. Uh, and just a few uh a few fields of cotton but it's it's turned into the the barren open land of the delta again now man i wish yeah, i had a field of a field of peanuts to flood have you, have you ever guys ever heard of how good the duck hunting can be on a flooded peanut field oh yeah i've wanted to do it um and i've i've i wish i could i, I I'm, I'm with you on that i wish i could 
have a field uh, of peanuts. Uh, I mean, even just the, the low end of a field, an acre, half an acre or something, to, to, to hold some ankle-deep water on because they love it. And that's what we shoot geese in even here in the winter. I mean, that's the majority of the speck hunting I do is is in peanuts. In peanut. Well, hey, Brian, don't you yes. hunt peanut fields a lot out there in Oklahoma? <clears throat> Actually, for the cranes, we we do not. Uh, that's a little further south. Now they do they do eat the peanuts, but um, uh, we don't uh, we don't pursue them in the peanuts, and we have not have not yet. Yeah, and and I guess I probably guys ought to take this opportunity for our listeners to introduce Brian. Um, Brian Baker's a good friend of mine from Miami, Oklahoma, as I noted earlier. I met him a few years ago when I had the opportunity to go out to Oklahoma and hunt sandhill cranes with Brian and his son and his partner, Monty Feck, and Monty's boy. And uh, it was an amazing crane hunt. Of course, Brad Albeck, when he was on here with us a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, he talked about going out there too and, and crane hunting and, and hunting with Brian. And so we thought it would be great to get Brian to join us in the podcast, given his extensive knowledge uh, about the subject. So, buddy, it's, you know, there's your introduction. Now, everybody at DuckSouth.com and all of our Own the X listeners know who Brian Baker is. Well, I thank you for the introduction. I appreciate that very much. What we do uh, is absolutely the best decoy action in Sandhill Crane that you can get. That's all we care about. Uh, what we do is uh, it's kind of like a guided duck or goose hunt. Uh, we get up early in the morning. We put out decoys, and uh, you know we we shoot birds and have a good time. There's a lot uh, to the crane hunting that um, that we've learned over the years. That uh, in order to be successful, you got to learn and study your prey, just like anything else. So even if, like if you're a cotton farmer, if you want to be a good cotton farmer, you want to be the best. You got to you know thoroughly resources, you know, uh, just um, pursue anything that you can think of and to gain knowledge to be the best you can be at what you're going to do in life. It, 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 anything in life that you do, you want to just, uh, you know, try to be the best you can. So what we do here at Crane Wreckers, uh, you know, we've dedicated our last uh, four years to crane hunting and, you know, we've used... Uh, all different kinds of blinds and decoys, and we're getting it refined down to an art, I think. Uh, we use um, taxidermy decoys, and we use natural vegetation on our blinds. There's a few things that um, that we do. Location, just like duck or goose hunting, location we figure is not probably the number one thing, being where the cranes want to be. Number two is your hide. Sandhill crane has eyesight that's equivalent to an eagle. Uh, anything synthetic in the field, they can see it. You know, you, you just can't get away with anything, any movement or, uh, you know, anything out of the ordinary because the cranes, once they get hunted, they'll pick you apart. Um, third thing is our decoys. We, Like I say, we only use taxidermy decoys because, uh, to be honest with you, their feathers reflect UV in different ways. Yeah, Brian, I wanted to um, I, I wanted to ask you about that um, because I've heard I, I know very little about crane hunting, but I have 
have seen where where people like to do that um uh with the you know, the taxidermy style you know uh, uh decoys so what uh was that just like a evolutionary process from when you started hunting them uh using you know a a mass produced decoy or have you always used those and how many what you know what what size of a spread do you you like to have because i like i said crane hunting is new to me so 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 from the very very beginning you know what would be you know the most basic you know i'm gonna go out and set up uh you know size of the spread and, and stuff like that okay well um the uh the information i got was from a canadian wildlife biologist that uh he pursues cranes and he would he would always tell me stories about uh how the cranes have their the eyesight that uh they just uh, can't be beat so he got he got me in on this his name was mike warner anyway mark i'm sorry mark warner um so he actually uh got got me on the idea and my partner actually built the first uh crane decoys so um my partner actually built the first crane decoys and we tried them out used them and prior to that we was hunting over uh silhouettes you know we've had uh some full body crane decoys silhouettes and and you know what you can you can shoot cranes over those but uh you know over the years, just seeing what works the best, that uh, you get good, clean, ethical shots up close. So, uh, decoy spread size, um, you know, uh, starting out early in the season, say uh, the first uh, month, we'll probably use uh, 30, 40 decoys. Um, after that, whenever the peak of the migration gets in, we throw the kitchen sink at them. It makes a, It makes a difference. We have three different spreads. That totals a little over 200 full-body decoys, and all these decoys are mounted. So um, that's that's kind of the decoy spread of the deal. What kind of? Uh, I'm sure there is, but what kind of process or headache is there involved in in getting uh, that that many mounted, you know, taxidermy type decoys out to the field? It uh, to get them built is uh, we build we can build one a day. Now the transportation part of it. Um, you know, you kind of got to handle them with kid gloves. So we have a we have some large trailers that uh, we move in and out of the fields to to uh, you know, because they're like you know, you get a mount off your wall in your house. You know, you got to treat it to, with uh, care, or, or it tears up quickly. So um, you know, uh, as far as the question, if you was wanting to know the transportation, it's uh, you know. It's kind of a process. You got to have big trailers and stuff to. Uh, you can't just pile them up and and uh, you know pack them in a decoy sack like you would a plastic decoy. But um, you know, uh, there's um, it's well worth the rewards by using a decoy and having to handle it. Uh, you know, the rewards outweigh the the uh, you know the you know so. I can attest to that personally. Let me tell you, we had one day when I was there where we killed 54, and we did it legally. We had 18 guys, and they all got the three-crane limit, 54 birds in one morning hunting with uh, Monty and Brian. And Brian, um, while we were there on that hunt, you were telling me a little bit about where your birds come from 
and the harvest numbers each year in Oklahoma and Texas. And then you told me a really amazing statistic uh, concerning what percentage of the Oklahoma harvest you were personally responsible for with your guide service. How about you know sharing a little bit of that information with our listeners for us? Well, this is going to go off of memory. You can check it on the net. I believe uh, the last survey was done in 2010 or 2011, and they, uh, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife reported about 420 Sandhill cranes shot in the entire state by resident and non-resident. Uh, the next year, 2012, uh, crane records shot 777 cranes in 2012. Wow. 2013, it was 818 cranes. So that's the amount of cranes that shot over just crane record decoys. Now that's uh, that's all of our customers from you know, you know we've taken people from all over the country. Uh, this year we have uh, some guys coming from Switzerland. Last year uh, we had people from Canada. And the year before South Africa, all over. But um, you know those those numbers that uh, whenever you buy a uh, a license. In order to hunt cranes, they give you a HIP. It's a harvest information program, and that's how they come up with those numbers. So, yes, the uh, sandhill cranes once they uh, once they um, people know how good they are to eat, and the way they decoy. I mean, heck, they honestly they look like 747s or hang gliders coming into your decoys. But uh, I suspect the population, <laughs> the numbers to be going up that people get. Uh, harvest them in Oklahoma. Well, hey, Brian. Where did they come from? Yeah, that's, that is what I was going to ask. Okay, right. uh, there is uh, there's seven different subspecies of sandhill cranes. Okay, uh, what we actually hunt we have we hunt three types of sandhill cranes: uh, a greater, which there's about a hundred thousand of them in the world; uh, the lesser, which is about four hundred thousand. And they have a, a a species called the Canadian crane. Okay, now we get all those cranes. There's some others that uh, they're basically non-migratory populations in the southeast. Mississippi has one. Florida has one. But uh, so the smaller the crane, the lesser. The further north it, it uh, lives and breeds. So um, they they uh, come far as Siberia. So northern uh, Nunavut, northern northern uh, Alaska. So these birds uh, uh, nest long ways off. Depends on what size of crane that you're looking at. Now the bigger cranes, the graders, you know, the ones that you know, ten pounds and seven foot wingspans. Uh, uh, you know, they don't nest as far north. Uh, they're in they're in uh, Montana and and uh, Colorado and Washington. So uh, I kind of think of these sandhill cranes kind of like the Canada geese, or the the maybe possibly the snow geese. You know, the smaller the bird, uh, the further north they they nest. So uh, uh, there's more of them, and I feel that the smaller birds are a little harder to decoy because they travel in such large numbers, kind of like the the snow geese would do, or the or the cacklers, little small short neck Canada. So um, that's kind of what I. Right. Uh, all right, Brian, you've talked about the decoy spread. You've talked about where they come from. 
Mm-hmm. Now, or do they Josh and Jay Paul know that I am the, the the calling expert of the show. So how do we call them in? <laughs> and, that, and that was just a joke. That was a joke, Brian. Okay, I got you. I You're got not going to let that deal go about judging that dead gum state no. duck calling contest and me asking why <laughs> you are. I'm no, sorry, Brian. That's an inside the joke. And just let it ease out. That's what he was hoping for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Sorry for interrupting, Brian. Go ahead. That's all right. No problem. Well, um, how do how do we call yeah. them in? Do we do are, are yeah. we calling them electronically or is no this... no no? Uh, well, there is uh, there's some uh, calls out on the market today, but uh, believe it or not, um, we've tried several. To be honest with you, we don't know if we've helped or hurt calling. So um, we know at times we have hurt and not uh, and spooked the birds off. So the last uh, few years we haven't been calling these birds. Some people do. And I'll be trying it again this year. Um, but uh, until I know that I've made an impact or am doing uh, something that they like and, it, and it's going to put the birds in range of the hunters, uh, man, I'm just going to keep quiet. The decoys has been doing all the work for me so far. Hey, hey, Brian, do you have a call there? No, I do you not. You got one close by you? You don't have one do close not. by anywhere? No, sir, I do not. Oh, bull, you do too? You don't even use no. a call, Brian. You mouth call. Well, I do. Hear it, I do mouth call. I, now, I tell you what, I do make a juvie call, and, and I'll make it for you, but um, uh, it goes. <laughs> That's probably going to sound terrible, but uh, it's just a whistle. Only the juvenile birds do it. Uh, uh, you know, um, the adults have a, a real. Uh, Completely different call, but um, do do the do cranes make a lot of noise when they're on the ground? Like, like snow geese are just deafening, so obviously sure, not that sure. loud. But but do they make a distinct sound while they're yes. feeding or or you know while they're on the ground milling around? They do. They do. They're a very vocal bird. They uh, they um, make several calls that uh, that um, obviously mean something because. Uh, they communicate between the flocks, and, and uh, a sandhill crane's uh, voice carries so much more than any other bird I've ever heard. You can you can hear those things, uh, you know, well over a mile. I mean, that, there's not another bird that I know of that uh, the sound travels and is distinctive as a sandhill crane. Yeah, it amazed me. Um, we were in South Dakota pheasant hunting one year, and I couldn't shoot pheasants for and to watch sandhill cranes but before that time i didn't know obviously what they even sounded like so i just you know i just stopped right where i was and i was asking the guys and i was like what what is that you know and they said well right. there's some cranes will come over it, it was i've never heard anything like it before um and it carried it, it amazed and that was another thing it amazed me at how far off they actually were um you know when you can you can first hear them um that was because sure. that, that just to me that didn't sound like a, a sound that you would imagine carrying um that's sure. kind of a i won't say a dull sound but but not you know not 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 the scream or the noise of like snow geese that you know that, sure. that we're used to hearing yeah hey brian j paul was out there with you two years ago i'm sitting in the duck hole guiding a group of hunters and j paul texts me this video of y'all shooting cranes uh, I guess it was December, about the middle of December, what, two years ago? He was out there with you? 
Correct. And Jay, Jay Paul takes me this video of y'all of crane hunting. And man, I play that video in the middle of the duck hole, and the hunters that are with me, they just all stop and turn around like, what the hell is that? <laughs> and you know what? I've still got that video. Josh, you ask about, you know, and, and, and Brian commented on how they carry. Brian, you actually shot that video on my iPhone. Um, and I'm going to, it's on my YouTube channel. Rocky Josh, I will share that with you guys. I'll give you the link, and maybe we can put that on DuckSouth.com so our listeners can uh, see and hear. And I'm going to tell you this. When you watch this video from my YouTube channel that Brian shot, you're going to hear exactly how loud those birds are and how far it carries because he's recording it on an iPhone, and the sound that you're going to hear is completely from the cranes, um, Brian just mentioned he lets the stuffers, their taxidermy uh, grade decoys, do the work for him. And in this case, you're being pretty humble about your calling, Brian. You actually got these birds' attention and got them started, and then you shut up because they eventually became so loud that they were drowning out any other noise and couldn't hear you call them anyway. But Brian does an excellent job calling. Don't let him fool you. He lets the decoys do the work when the birds get in close to finish them, but he can flat out get their attention. And in this video, you're going to see just how loud these birds are and how it carries. I'll be sure and share that with you guys this afternoon. I, yeah, I want I want to see that. Like I said, I've I've heard it, but but um, I don't know. It just amazed me at how how loud they can be. Um, but hey, Brian. Yeah, other than, go ahead, Rocky. Hey Brian. Yes, go ahead. Yes. All right. So we talked about we talked about the decoy spread. We talked about the calling. Now let's talk about my favorite part: eating them. Man, I've heard oh. that those things. Their their nickname is the ribeye of the sky. Correct. That's correct. And I tell you what, the sandhill crane are a joy to hunt, and they're even a they're a fantastic table fare. Once you get one down on the ground, you've got something. You've got a trophy. Uh, my partner Monty, he makes a, a uh, has a recipe. He calls it crane rolls. And uh, what it is is we we fillet a crane breast off, and he, he uh, pounds it out and puts some seasonings on it, and he cooks these every once in a while for us. And and if you are a meat eater. If you like to eat meat, I guarantee you that you will love sandhill crane. It's the most fantastic meat I've ever eaten. With, Brian, what would it, you it, compare it, the taste to? It was it uh, it actually tastes like a ribeye. Has a little bit different flavor to it. That actually, I don't know how to explain. It's almost magnetizing. It grabs your taste buds, and it delivers a flavor that is almost something that you it, it makes you just want more it's fantastic it's 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 fantastic it's, it's hard to describe but uh, the closest is a ribeye and if you're a meat eater and you are a steak connoisseur please try the sandhill crane and if it's not the the best eaten meat that you've ever had i want to know what you've had 
Well, what is the? I mean, I know the bird as you know as a whole is you know huge, but what about you know you said you know you eat the breast of them obviously, but what is that comparison to like a Canada goose or you know how big is you know the, the chunk of meat you're gonna get off the breast? What is oh, it comparable it, to? Just for an idea. That, okay, it's like a large ribeye. Uh, I would say the uh, each side of the breast is going to be about a pound or a little bit more. So your steak is, you know, you get one steak off of each side of the breast, and uh, you know you probably get a little over two pounds of meat. Okay, I, I'm just just curious. I'm sure, I'm out watering, sure. so I'm just sitting here, you know, looking forward to. So, <laughs> to finding to finding somebody that's that's got some and uh, how much room I'm gonna need in the kitchen to cook it. That's all. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I've got a couple left in the freezer. Next time I come down to Mossy Island, I'll be sure and bring some. And the ones that I had, I actually weighed them from our trip. We were killing the larger birds while I was there, I believe, weren't we, uh, Brian? Yeah, the 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 graders. graders? Yeah, and and they, I, I think that mine, the average was about eighteen, nineteen ounces per half breast. So I mean, there's pretty good, pretty good slab of meat there when you throw it on your plate. Yes, it is. Hey, what is what is Brian? What is the limit? I hadn't heard you say what the limit was. Okay, here in Oklahoma, the limit's three a day. Yeah, each hunter can harvest three a day, and you can have nine in possession. So on a three-day hunt, you can take nine birds home with you um you know what we do i'll, I'll tell you i didn't know if i, I discussed this earlier we hunt till 1 p.m or we limit out earlier so uh, we don't hunt in the afternoons i just kind of always like to let people know they think that uh, uh the sandhill cranes they're a little bit different once they leave roost in the morning they stay out all day they don't go back and forth to water like a duck or a goose so you generally don't get a morning shoot and an afternoon shoot. If you don't get your birds by one o'clock, you're not going to get them. So uh, that's that's kind of the reason that we do the uh, hunt till one. We generally get our birds by then, but if not, we'll hunt till one. Um, well, well, that brings us to my final comment. If somebody, I know that you're pretty well booked up for this year. Do you have any openings this year? And number two, if somebody wanted to come hunt with you, book something for this season or next, how do they go about finding you and contacting you, Brian? Okay. Well, the best way, just like everything else, that World Wide Web got more information on it than you can shake a stick at. Go to cranerecords.com. You'll see all of our information. My partner, Monty, uh, I'm going to give you his number a couple of different times. Uh, you call him. And he can give you a, uh, a a detailed list of the dates that we do have open. We do have some open. You know, it'll be weekdays. The weekends go first, around the holidays. But uh, his number is 620-222-7470. And then, again, his name is Monty Feck. Uh, he takes care of all the paperwork, the bookings, uh, and what have you, making sure that uh, – the the dates are all good to go and the numbers in your parties that uh, that you want. But um, anyway, that's uh, the World Wide Web at CraneRecords.com is the best uh, way to uh, find our phone numbers and our web addresses, too, if you want to send an email or what have you. You have certain questions that, uh, you know, we take people in wheelchairs. We've taken uh, uh, three now that's been in wheelchairs. We try to accommodate everyone. 
uh, something that I didn't get to earlier about uh, um, crane hunting that you probably want to know. Uh, we only hunt in dry fields, uh, so it's the, it's easy. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, Brad Alback, Alback Adventures, uh, he brought his dad down, 81-year-old man, St. George. I believe he's the only man I've got to hunt with that's shorter than me. I'm not a very tall man. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, super good guy. But, uh, you know, 81-year-old. We drive right out in the fields. It's comfortable. Uh, you do not need waders. Um, so uh, it's one of them deals that uh, it's an easy hunt. We hunt out of uh, director's chairs. So it's a comfortable hunt, and it's uh it's uh, an easy hunt. I'll say that. A lot of guys that uh, don't like to roll around in the mud on your back and lay out blinds, this would be a hunt for you. But, uh, so that's another thing I was wanting to, to get in there, at least uh, educate the, the folks out there that, uh, you, know, they, they, you know, they don't have any idea. There's a couple other ways I would like, and, uh, like for you to check out. Go to YouTube, and that's a wonderful source also. And, and, and type in crane wreckers. And uh, a lot of the videos is done under Brian Baker. Um, so if you want to check out our videos and kind of see firsthand what we actually do, uh, that's a great way to do it. And you know what? Like uh, Jay Paul said, I don't have any fancy camera equipment. Honestly, all my videos that I make is on my cell phone or uh, on a little GoPro that I throw around in the decoy spread. So uh, you, you, they're not going to be a professional photography but there will be some professional killing going on so i hope you guys enjoy that remember my phone number or remember monty's phone number uh is 620-222-7470 if you want to go on a hunt with crane records uh, Man, quick, okay. um sorry jay paul real quick also uh on the i'm glad you gave out the information but what are the season dates just so everyone has an idea correct okay good well this year uh the season opens October 22nd, and it goes through January 22nd. We get three straight months so far Have uh, every year. With, there's no breaks in it. We don't have a split. So um, what I tell everybody that uh, is kind of on the fence if they want to go or not, I say, you know what, uh, plan crane hunting around what you normally do, like if you're a big deer hunter, plan it around the rut. Or, you know, I don't want to discourage you from doing what you love to do, but uh, – we, we're on the cranes from day one to the end of the season. Like I say, we winter the birds, and, and uh, it's it's very rare for us to lose the birds unless we get like an Arctic blast or two blasts back-to-back that freezes the water out and pushes them out. It does not happen very often, but one out of three years it'll happen, and, and we may lose birds for a week. So we got a three-month season, and we'll kill birds. Make sure we have uh, room for you. Uh, available date that would suit your interest and uh, man I think that uh, crane hunting will be a new niche for you something that you'll want to do no doubt I mean I was hooked I can't wait to come back and do it again just uh, guys I mean imagine you know a small aircraft gliding in to your decoys and that's what it looks like and it's amazing how easy it is to bring these birds down also I think that while I was there um, I was shooting three-inch number twos and didn't have any problem. You know, you can knock them down now. You don't want to run out there and grab a cripple. That's for damn sure. 
that's a good way to get hurt and hurt bad, isn't it, Brian? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I'm glad you mentioned that about the shot. I do recommend uh, uh, BBs or two shot, 12 gauge. Uh, they're not hard to break down or to bring down. Uh, uh, now, I'll, I'll give you a couple more things. Uh, in Oklahoma, it's legal to shoot sandhill cranes with lead. So you need, if you have a uh, those turkey loads, man, they're bad medicine on them cranes. However, uh, we do have ducks and geese in the area, and uh, if you if you insist on bringing lead, then uh, then we can't shoot at the ducks and the geese, even if the guy that has the lead, you know, you can't have the lead in the blind and, and shoot at ducks and geese. And we do have ducks and geese that fly over at times, and, and occasionally we'll harvest uh, a few, but uh, our our goal is to shoot the sandhill cranes, and if the opportunity arises to shoot some geese that comes through, then, then we do as long as everybody has, there's no lead in the blind and everybody has their their duck stamps and and toward bird. Yeah, and tell us about cripples. cripples. Well, the cripples. Uh, whenever you knock down a sandhill crane, uh, you know, just just shoot the bird, to, uh, finish him off, put him out of its misery. Because I do have a, uh, I have some history with these birds. Uh, one of my buddies, uh, he uh, went out to retrieve one once and. Uh, the bird drove his bill through the top of his leather boot and into the into his top of his foot for about oh it's probably three quarters of an inch and he come back he said Baker he said oh my gosh I thought he's jacked with it this guy's tough as nails tough as they come and and uh, he was limping back and and I said what's wrong he said man he said that bird he said he pecked me on the foot and he pulled his shoe off and his sock was soft and wet with blood I thought holy cow. We took our little Leatherman and pulled out part of the the bird's bill that was stuck in the top of his boot. There, stuck stuck <laughs> through his boot and top of his foot. So, they're pretty. Uh, you know, they can uh, they can be. Uh, it depends on how bad they're hurt. You know, like I say, if you just got them winged, their first instinct is going to run from you whenever you run out in the field to get them. But once they see that they can't outrun you, they're going to fight you every time. They're going to turn as far with you. So. My recommendation is just to finish them off whenever you get the opportunity. Once they clear the decoys, so, so uh, that's another <laughs> thing. Uh, those taxidermy decoys, unfortunately, do get shot. Uh, we land uh, last year. We landed birds in the decoys every single trip out, and uh, we generally like to. Well, we have a safety meeting and speech, and that will be in on it. With uh, please let the birds clear the decoys before you start shooting into them. It gets. <laughs> It gets awfully uh, uh, painstaking whenever the decoys get shot. <laughs> well, man, you've been a wealth of information like I knew you would be, Brian. And, you know, on behalf of Josh and Rocky both, uh, I would like to, to thank you for joining us. I know you've been waiting around for this for a while and have other things that you need to go and take care of. But um, unless Rocky or Josh has has some parting question, I just want to close it out for those guys and thank you for being with us today and all the knowledge. And I hope that a whole bunch of our listeners will check out crane hunting with crane wreckers in Oklahoma. You know, I appreciate the opportunity. Yes, sir. Rocky, Josh, either one of you guys got anything? Yeah, I really appreciate everything. That was, uh, like I said, from, from somebody who's never done it, uh, I at least feel like I have a, a leg up now. Um, I, I would at least know what I'm in for if I headed out that way, and I really appreciate it. 
Yep. Thanks yeah, a Brian. lot, Brian. We appreciate you. All yeah, Brian. Right. Thanks for joining day. us, buddy. I'm glad to meet you, Josh, Rocky, Jay Paul. It's always a pleasure. And guys, have a good day, and God bless you. Yes, sir, buddy. God bless you, too. All right, guys. Man, Brian had loads and loads of great stuff. And uh, I want to remind everybody, too, that this first half of the On Next podcast, powered by Duck South, has been brought to you by Hardcore Decoys and Hardcore Brands, makers of the most innovative and durable waterfowling products on the market today. They know it's not easy being hardcore, but we definitely are. <laughs> That's pretty cool stuff, wasn't it, guys? Yeah, that was cool. I've, um, I like I said, I've seen them and heard them. We were up in South Dakota one year, but I've never hunted them. I can't, <laughs> I can't. I know how big a goose looks when when it's on the other end of your gun barrel. I can't imagine one of those. Well, you know, the funny get... t- hey, let me tell you a funny story. When I called Brian today to to make sure that the time was okay, I called him and I said, uh, "Hey, man." said, you the feller's been calling my wife's phone <laughs> right when he picked it up. He said, I probably was. Why, what's wrong with that? Good guy. Oh, man. Well, Rocky, what else you got for us today? I know, I know in that pea-sized brain, I mean, I know in that big brain of yours, you've got something cooking for us. What you got? Yeah, hey, look, the other day when we left on the, the podcast the other day, we were going to talk about this deal with Scent Blocker. And Josh, mm-hmm. Josh has really been following it uh, really closely. And I actually made a post on Duck South about it to to see what the users had to say about it. And let me just tell you this, a lot of them, they posted that they wouldn't be back at Dick's. Now, yeah. Josh, Josh, give a little backstory to what I'm talking about. Yeah, what was it? I guess it was early this week or over the weekend, uh, out there was news came out about Dick's Sporting Goods dropping all lines on the floor, and I don't know about on the internet, but on the floor of Scent Blocker. Um, because of in in all scent blocker garments, there's a card in there with I believe it's John three sixteen. Anyway, it it has a Bible verse on it, and the salesman called scent blocker and asked. Uh, you can find the whole the whole conversation that they had on the internet too. But but anyway, long story short, he asked him and said, uh, you know, is this in every garment? And he said, yeah, absolutely. He said our customers, you know, like it and. That's just always, uh, you know, been something we've done. And they said, well, can you change it for the products you send to us, you know, at Dick's Sporting Goods? And they said, absolutely not. And right then and there, they said, well, we're going to have to, we're, we're going to drop all scent blocker products. And they did. And they've gone through with it. Um, and I saw something, I guess it was on the Duck South site uh, earlier today, where some of the guys have seen, uh, even on the Internet, that uh, on Dick's Sporting Goods, website that they've discounted the stuff on the online store too um and all this other stuff so i i just uh you know one thing the scent locker scent blocker guy said was uh was you know yeah in in business they have the right to you know to put whatever products out there they want uh as for, you know and represent you know the exporting goods but uh 
you know, Under Armour's got stuff with, you know, I think it says God, Glory, and Guns on it. Um, there's some basketball shoes out there with uh, with a Bible verse on the heel of them. Um, they're all in Dick's Sporting Goods. So, yeah, maybe there was a, a bigger backstory to it, and this was just their somewhat of an excuse to kick them out of the store. I don't know. But I I just fully disagree with them. Use, if, if that was what was being used, I fully disagree with that. Um, you know, that's just a, that's a pitiful excuse, and it, it unfortunately happens to a lot of things when people are open about Christianity, they get shoved down quickly, um, unfortunately. And, uh, and I hated to see that in the, in the hunting community. Um, no, especially, especially now right here at the front end of all hunting season starting to open. Uh, and I can imagine that'll be a huge financial blow for them too, uh, for, for Simblocker. Well, I, I will say this, you know, the wow. white, the white Christian male is the most under fire human being on the face of the earth right now. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. If you're if you're white and you're a Christian and you're a male, you can give it up, man. This world is against you and against seeing you succeed. Amen. I mean, what Hillary Hillary called us? What she called us deplorables the other day. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, you know, it amazes me how easy it is to find this stuff, too, because, I mean, it's almost like we are at battle. I mean, we are under fire all the time. And and I think that, you know, it's so awesome that you've got a company here that considers um, this as part of their ministry. Um, You know, Scott Schultz. President and CEO of Robinson Outdoor Products that I guess owns Scent Blocker. When when he was you know approached by Dix about this, I mean he made it very clear that uh, it was part of his ministry and that he felt like as a Christian he had an obligation through his company to um, share God with his customers. And for somebody to do that in business, I think these days takes a great deal of courage. And, you know, I cannot understand how a company like Dix could find that so offensive, particularly when you consider, uh, I've never seen numbers on this. I think this would be a great, uh, for for some university student as a project uh, to, to do a study on, but I guarantee you that the vast majority, I, I would guess over 80%, of probably even higher than that, of all hunters out there, not just in the South, but across the nation, would identify themselves as, as Christians, as believers. Would you guys disagree with that? No, I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, no. and it's and like I... you said, it's like every time you, well, as a hunter, as a Christian, if you're both, it doesn't matter. It, you're, you're unfortunately under fire. Every single day, uh, whether you're in a public on a public platform or not, um, you know there's. I mean, people are going to disagree about stuff all the time, but man, when it comes to stuff like this, I mean, I you know the the president, the CEO, owner, uh, whatever of of uh, Blocker, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm with him on it. I mean, you know, if you know, that's that's his dealings, it's it's a way to 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 spread. Uh, you know, his ministry, he felt, you know, compelled to do it, and it's been fine up until, 
now and you know and whatever dick's real reason for it is you know no we may never know but uh i don't know it's just kind of disheartening to see that stuff happen um but now hey i think we ought to give dick's a shout out because you know <laughs> sit through a yeah uh, because sit blocker may go through a little lull here for the in the short term but I guarantee you, long term, for the stand that they took, they're going to be so blessed, and people are going to gravitate toward their products because oh, of that sure. stand. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, no doubt so about they, that. And I also want to point out too, because there are a whole bunch of these stores popping up around the country. Dicks, by the way, is the parent company for Field and Stream. So if you're going in and you're doing business with Field and Stream. You're doing business with dicks. And, uh, you know, for those guys out there looking, and, and there aren't but 15 or 20 filled and stream big box stores around the country, but more and more are coming. So if you're looking for an alternative to dicks, don't choose filled and stream. I, I can tell you this um, I shop a lot in, over in Jackson, Tennessee, and, you know, just about everything that I can find at dicks, I can either find at Hibbets. Or I can find at Gander Mountain if it's hunting stuff, and uh, I will not be patronizing dicks until they come public that they've reversed their position on this. That's yeah, and it'll be it'll be interesting to see if Field and Stream tries to differentiate themselves in some way from it. Um, I haven't noticed it, but I haven't really been on too much social media or stuff in the last few days to see if they have. Um, you know, sometimes you get that when a you know a company owns another or they're a sister company or whatever, they'll try to say, you know, well that's that's on them, not us type deal. But I don't I don't know if they have or if they've come forward on that in any kind of way or if they will at all. That'll be interesting to see. Um, see if that how that plays out. Well, I tell you, um, we you said know, we were getting. Go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, Josh. No, what I was going to say was back. I guess it was was it back in the winter when Academy Sports had the deal about the uh, the guns. They were going to keep, you know, quote assault rifles or or whatever it may be, you know, behind, um, you know, in the back if you wanted to see it. You know, you know, you had to ask for it. And uh, <laughs> I never will forget uh, reading. Uh, well, Freddie King posted it, and he said, "Well, that's fine. We'll just get 20 guys to all go in there and ask for 20 guns, and then we'll have the whole selection out in about five minutes, and we can go back to shopping the way we did." You know, so I and I don't know if Academy has followed through. Leave with that it to part, Freddie. But, but these, you know, these big box stores taking taking a stand towards certain things. You know, I just can't see where it where it helps them at all. No, you know, I can't either. Hey, Jay Paul, that goes back to, I was talking to Josh last night, and he was telling me he had talked to Freddie, and you, I don't know if you saw Freddie's rant on Facebook last week. Did you see that? No, I did not. No, I oh, didn't. Oh, yeah. Well, it, he, he got a little mad. Got, well, I say mad. I mean, <laughs> Freddie was grinning ear to ear, and he said, this is my mad face. And uh, I apparently somebody, uh, or two different people, one told him that, uh, he posted too much redneck stuff, and then the other said that, or asked him, you know, if he thought he should be more careful uh, when he was stating his political beliefs because of the platform he had. <laughs> Freddie said no and no, you know, and just you know, simple as that, you know, just went on about his business. But um, you know, it's just uh, there, well, there's the funny, nobody. Out, 
Here's ahead, the right? funny thing about it is, hey, let me tell you this, though, Jay Paul. This is what Josh and I were talking about last night. Uh-huh. Um, the guy said, hey, I'll, I'll never blow another echo call again. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the thing about it is, you know, you know what? For that one guy that will never blow another echo call again, there'll be a thousand blowing echo call now because Freddie yeah. took that stand. Yeah. Amen. That's you know, right. that's one of the that's things right. that I love about that guy. You know, with, with Freddie, what you see is what you get. And i tell you, something that has become really big with me over the last year has been the term transparency. And let me tell you, Freddie is about as transparent as a plate glass window. You know, <laughs> i got to go <laughs> yeah, on his Facebook page, and I, yeah. I've got to check that out. And, uh, you know, one of the things I love about this podcast with you guys is that, you know, none of us are scared to share our opinion or what we believe in. And as Christians, I think that all three of us, and I think I can speak for Houston, our other host, even though he's not on here, there with us today, you know, we all believe sincerely that as Christians, we are obligated to stand up and we are obligated to not hide, hide our beliefs. Our beliefs. And I really want to tell you guys as my friends here and, and co-hosts and partners, how much I appreciate that. I mean that sincerely. Rocky, you do a great job every week bringing some really interesting stuff to this podcast. And I'm glad we uh, got to share that with our folks out there today. But, guys, we're about out of time here. Before we go, uh, Josh, your final thoughts right quick. I was I was glad to hear the, the Craneman stuff. I had no idea, actually who our guest was going to be today until literally minutes before. And um, it, it was uh, it was kind of fun actually not necessarily preparing a whole lot because I had a lot of, you know, beginner-type questions that I've always wanted to ask somebody on something like that. But that was a lot of fun. I was glad to have him on. Um, but uh, other than that, I'm good. Uh, it's been a like I said, it's been a long what, month and a half, two months of harvest, so now we can breathe a little bit and uh, and start hunting. Yeah, and I'm awfully glad to have you back, too. Rocky, how about you, brother? Final thought? Uh, Brian brought a lot to the show, but my final thought today is, man, isn't it good to have Josh back? What a, what a dynamic it brings to the show in, in having his opinion in here, you know, besides just us two. Yeah, I mean, it, it brings Amen. a whole new dynamic back to the show, so I'm glad that you're – I'm glad you're through picking cotton, Josh. <laughs> well, well, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So I'll, I'll be a little more accessible uh, now. So, but uh, but anyway, it, it's good to be back. Yeah, and we're awfully, awfully glad to have you. I'll close it out by saying that, you know, Josh, it is good. I think the three of us have a really good dynamic, and I miss the fat boy too. I'll be glad when Houston can. Uh, join us of course he's got uh that little boy right now is taking a whole lot of his time but i look forward to having houston back on here with us again in the very near future um i'd like to say in closing that really appreciate all the guys on ducksouth.com that got on that thread here in such a short time and you know we i love i don't post a whole lot but i love going to ducksouth.com and hearing what all of you guys have to say, what's on your mind. I hope you'll keep coming to the forum, too, and, and letting us know 
what there is in the waterfowling world and in current events you'd like to hear us discussing here because we enjoy doing this for you guys a great, great deal. I love being on here with you, both of you guys, Rocky and Josh, and feel like uh, to see the way this thing is growing, it's really a privilege to be a part of the On The X podcast powered by DuckSouth.com. <laughs>